You're listening to Real Estate Real Fast. Each episode, we discuss all things real estate, whether that's strategies for investors, ways the average homeowner can maximize profits when selling their home, or understanding market trends and more. Real Estate Real Fast is brought to you by ListingSpark, automated software that takes you through the complete home selling process and sells your home faster, safer, and at a fraction of the cost. Hi everyone, welcome to Real Estate Real Fast. As you can see, I'm not your typical host, Aaron Gistel. I am in here stepping in for him this week and I'm excited. For all of you that do not know who I am, I'm Julie Daniels. I am the Director of Operations over at ListingSpark and I'm also a licensed real estate agent. I've been with the company since pretty much the beginning. We're going on about almost eight years and plugging away here and having a good time. Um, Really excited about this episode. I'm excited to be joined by Rachel Holiday. She's the VP of Lending over at Stallion Capital. I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself here in a second and talk a little bit about Stallion Capital. I'm sorry, Stallion Funding. But again, just excited to be stepping in for Aaron today and to be able to have a great conversation. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I work with Stallion Funding. Like you said earlier, Stallion Capital is actually the opposite side of us. That's where we get a lot of our funds from. And so we use those funds at Stallion Capital to then go ahead and um, fund the hard money side of our business, which is Stallion Funding. We've been here since 2007. I personally have been here for about 12 years now with the company. So really enjoy what I do, obviously, or they can't get rid of me, one of the two, I don't know. But it's been a really great place and a really fun state to be. So Awesome. And we're going to just kind of dive right into some questions because I know you're a wealth of knowledge with all your experience. So let's just kind of kick it off with what advice would you give an investor trying to analyze a potential deal they're looking to buy? Yeah, so it's a great question. So especially with the market and any concerns that you have right now, I think really spending some time looking at, is this a good deal, right? That's kind of the big question. There's a lot of different tools that you can find online, just even kind of sample pro forma spreadsheets, just some analyzers. Those will really help an investor figure out if there's real kind of meat on the bone, so to speak, right? So they'll help you figure out things like, you know, the NOI, just different areas that of avenue where there's a margin or any kind of money that can be made on something like that. So you really want to make sure you do your homework with some of that. Obviously, you know, the way that we lend is we typically lend about 70% of a value of a property. And so if your hard money lender is going to pick up the deal, then it's probably a pretty good deal. So there's other different kinds of tests that you can do as far as that goes too, right? If someone in this industry is telling you it's not a good deal, you definitely want to steer away from it. So seeking some advice like that would also be pretty beneficial at this point. Awesome. And just thinking about the people that you partner with and that find your product the best for them and the best fit to to go that route, are they builders? Are they just like one-off investors? What what are you typically seeing that you're partnering with the most? Yeah, most of it is is your typical builder, right? So we do a lot of stuff with guys in Austin that are doing one to 20 specs per year. That's, That's kind of what we do most of our business with. Another thing that's really set us apart from other lenders right now is that we're still lending on land. So your typical land developer could actually come in and get a loan from us right now to do some horizontal development and take down things like that. Those are two of our primary focuses. We do obviously do some type of rehab loans, things like that, but they're really not our favorite. And in Austin, you're still seeing just that high price point where it's hard to get into some of those. 
that's why you see more of the the new construction builders and land developer guys kind of in our office the most. Awesome. And that kind of leads me into, you know, what, when you, when, you know, these people come to you, what are you looking for in a borrower who is qualifying for a loan with your company? Like what, what are the things like maybe bullet points of like, Hey, they have to have this, they have to have that, you know, kind of take me down kind of that list. Well, so just one thing to start with, with that, the reason our product is so interesting is we're actually really based more so on the project itself. And so the first questions that I'm really going to be asking are things like, you know, tell me about what you're buying, tell me what you're doing with it, and tell me what you're going to sell it for. Making sure that the actual deal structure itself makes sense first. We do want to obviously qualify the borrower, but I don't want anybody to think that, you know, the first question I'm going to ask you is about your credit score. That's not stuff that's important to us, right? I mean, who in real estate hasn't had some kind of blip on their credit based on just kind of the different market issues that we've had along the way, right? So what we are looking for with the borrower is we're looking at experience. We want to make sure that this is something that they've done before. This isn't just some new thing that they want to start doing. We want to make sure that they have the liquidity enough to kind of carry themselves through the project, right? So I'm more so looking at things like three months worth of bank statements over tax returns. I want to see they've got enough cash coming into their account that could go out for an interest statement. Going back to kind of the experience, you know, I always say that your first first construction loan that you ever do is like your college education. You kind of pay for the experience. And a lot of them don't really make a lot of profit. So, you know, we want to make sure guys have done a couple of projects to really have felt what can go wrong and, and kind of get their bearings with some of that stuff. Those are the quick things that we're looking for. Got it. So what I really appreciate and makes me obviously excited to, you know, send people and refer people over to you guys is just that you guys hold relationships so high on the priority list. Maybe talk a little bit about how you partner with, you know, investors and builders and and how important as a company those relationships are for you guys. Yeah, so that is probably the most important thing to us from a company. Our borrowers really are like our family and friends. Most of them know all the names of my kids. I mean, they call me and I'm making sure at 6.30 and they're hearing my kids scream and all of that kind of stuff. That type of access to us is very important to us uh, because we expect the same thing in return from the borrowers. We really want them to be honest with us about what's going on with their projects. We want them to feel like we're a team. You know, those lenders that want to do a loan because they want to foreclose on a property one day, that's the farthest thing from what we want to do. We realize if we foreclose on a property, there's a huge chance we don't make any money. So not our business model, right? So yeah, we've just, we've really kind of created that with our borrowers where, you know, my cell phone's not off limits. If it's eight o'clock at night, if it's six o'clock in the morning, that's fine. You know, let us know how we can help you. You know, during COVID and especially now, right, with the kind of market changing a little bit too, it's you know, how can we help you to be successful? We have a couple of borrowers that we've had to set up on different payment plans because of it. Again, what's nice not being a, a bank is that we have the ability to be flexible with what we want to do and what we can do. So I think if anybody was going to tell you a real feel of working with our company, it's our ability to be creative. Uh, that sets us apart pretty big time from, from other lender types. I love that. And that's the kind of, I know just from the clients that we deal with at Listing Spark, those are the kind of relationships they're trying to establish. So that's awesome. Now, just kind of thinking about when you're talking to your clients and stuff, maybe you have some suggestions or some ideas of, you know, what are some just general best practices that you would advise your clients or people that are thinking about going and, you know, buying a piece of land and building on it or, or starting a project? Yeah, I mean, there's always the idea of having a mentor, right? If you're new at this, having some kind of a mentor is huge. 
we sometimes will pair some of our newer clients with some of our older clients that have been around for a while just to really make sure that they've got some help with some of that. Other than that, a big thing that I kind of try to say to my clients a lot is it's like the 10% rule, right? Make sure that you know that somewhere there's going to be some kind of a 10% discrepancy. So make sure you've got either some capital put away for that or you've got some kind of an avenue that you can go to if there is some overrunning cost or if it takes you know, 10% longer than what you thought it was going to take, things like that. Just always be kind of prepared for the worst and just hope for the best kind of thing, you know? I mean, not to be Debbie Downer, I hate that, right? It's not like I'm saying all projects are going to be doomed, but being realistic, I think it's huge, you know? No, I love that because, you know, knowing that from the beginning and just knowing the horror stories that I've I've had to witness, unfortunately, I feel like if more partnerships were made like that and people are more realistic up front, we see a lot of times and had better expectations up front about what they're doing, that they'd be a lot more successful. And obviously, if they win, you win, we all kind of win. So I, I really appreciate that. But unfortunately, sometimes things kind of go sideways. Is there some stuff that you kind of see that causes that to happen? Is there like a primary reason or some, some different, you know, points that, oh, because of this, this is why the deal usually, you know, falls apart or has issues? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we started doing the specs in East Austin, I want to say in like 2011-ish. At that time, there wasn't a lot of people doing stuff. It was just kind of the start of, you know, regentrification down there. So things were easier to get through the city, all of that. A little bit more seamless you could get in and out of a project nine to twelve months in a problem now obviously with such a demand in that area um things are just taking a lot longer so just really accounting for that right so a typical loan that i'd maybe write for 12 months we're seeing sometimes it's taking more like 18 months so just making sure you give yourself enough kind of runway to get the project really going other things that we see unfortunately is obviously with the cost increases with construction budgets and all of that just again, making sure that you're kind of prepared for that. Those are the two probably biggest issues that I see. And then unfortunately, you still see some of the stuff in real estate where, you know, you have an unethical contractor who's maybe a part of the project and, you know, unfortunately it's burnt some of our clients in the past, things like that. So really making sure that you're doing things like getting mechanics lien waivers, you know, just documenting up everything so that when you do go to sell the property that you're ready to, to be able to make sure you've got real title to um, sell it and all of that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. And then kind of talking kind of in line with that a little bit, but obviously I know over here at listing spark, we've been talking about this a lot. We're definitely not in the same market that we're in in 2021, even early 2022, things have kind of shifted. And I know that on the actual, you know, market, things are taking longer, things are, you know, just have changed, right? With that being said, have you, you know, what have you guys had to do as a lending company, especially non-traditional to kind of get through this time of things, you know, just, just a change in the market that we're seeing? Yeah. So obviously big things that lenders will do first, whenever there's market changes is the loan to value ratios that we lend at. Historically, we've always done 70% of these higher values that we've seen. So now what we're really having to do is take a look at the appraisals even deeper and more thorough than we ever had to before, and even maybe forecast out, you know, does it look like it's going down from there? Making sure that our loan to value ratio at 70% is a realistic 70%. I mean, there were times where I was having an appraisal and a month later, I'd have an appraisal in a condo in the same neighborhood and it's gone $250,000. That's obviously not realistic anymore, right? Um, so really making sure we're being careful with some of that is, is a big part of what we're doing. Um, 
Other things that we're doing just from a lender standpoint is exit strategy for a lender is huge. That tells us how are we going to get paid back? How is the borrower going to be successful, get us paid back and make their money, right? Usually that's build quickly and sell quickly, right? Well, currently in the market, that's not something that's happening as fast. So we're just really making sure that we fully understand the exit. If there's any other options that we can offer a client, see if there's a way that we can help with some of that too. And that's a, a big part of what we're doing. Yeah, I know. I mean, just with the market changing and everything, I love how you guys are just kind of shifting and still willing to be there and to support clients because, I mean, especially investors, you know, this is the best, one of the best ways for them to get the financing and to get the deal done and for everybody to, to be successful. Is there anything else besides just kind of the projects you work on now that you guys kind of work towards or assist with clients besides, you know, obviously builders and, and the lending on that side of the non-traditional stuff? So, you know, we, we try to start different avenues of the company too, just so we don't get bored. So another thing that we're doing is we actually recently started a fund where we're purchasing short-term rental properties. So there's always the buying side of our business now too, which is we're looking for Again, properties that could be counted as a short-term rental. We're doing a lot more of that up in Dallas because it seems to be a lot easier than here in Austin. But so there's that part of it too. What I'm excited about with that, just having been here as long as I have, is you know it's neat because now with different facets of real estate, we're able to kind of help with different parts of it, right? We can help on the lending side. We potentially are a buyer now. And then obviously when we have foreclosures, you know, we're also selling those properties too. So it's kind of full circle. It feels like we've got our... our kind of hacked in every different little area of the of real estate. That's awesome. And so, I mean, I love that you guys are kind of being creative and trying to think out of the box and stuff. I know that we're hearing little, little signs of the market kind of being a little bit better. Have you seen in the last like maybe four to six weeks, interest rates, things like that, approving a little bit, or are you guys able to provide a little bit better on that front since things have kind of in the last little bit kind of going up a little bit. Yeah, so absolutely, which is super exciting, right? It's kind of like, you know, when your phone stops ringing and everything seems like crickets and you're like, uh oh, here we go. <laughs> that happens every once in a while, maybe for like a week. And then it just seems like it's back at it right again. So this week, especially, I mean, I had five loan requests come in over the weekend after the freeze, right? So to me, that seems like people are still wanting to do projects people are still excited about it. And, you know, whenever my clients call and they ask me, Rachel, what do you think? You know, what do you think I should do? You know, people always are going to need houses, right? And if everybody stopped building at the exact same time, then we have the same issue, which is what caused us to have this big real estate kind of boom in the first place, right? There's not going to be enough doors for the amount of people that are needing to be here. So it's just a balancing act. You know, don't go buy dirt that's too expensive and don't go take on a project that's, more, that's over your head, you know? And as long as you're kind of using common sense with those things, you should be very successful, you know, because it's the business that's been around, it's, it's going to stay around and this market's going to stay very strong. Yeah, totally agree with that. I think that's great advice and that many people will benefit for just keeping it simple like that, right? Just knowing, like, if you kind of just do your research and partner with the right people that, you know, you can still be successful. Yeah, uh, exactly. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit. We have some questions coming in and stuff. Let's see, Rachel, when someone approaches you about funding a deal, what does the borrower need to provide you to you to allow the property to vet out the deal? So I guess what do you look, what essentially are you asking for them at that point? Sure. So again, always looking at the deal first versus the borrower, right? So tell me, what is it you're buying? 
how much are you putting into it? And what do we think it's going to sell for? Those three things help me get to what do I think our loan to value ratio could be and what it looks like you would have to bring to closing from a cash in standpoint. Obviously, we do some deeper diving like location and all of that kind of stuff. But those are the three items that really help at first to see if it's even kind of a viable deal, right? And again, going back to the access thing of it, um, you know, that's stuff that somebody could text me. And usually within like 15 minutes, I can probably give them a quick idea back if it seems like it's even something that's doable or not. Yeah. And then typically after that point, how, like, what are we thinking timeframe, depending, you know, say everything works out and it's something that you see that you can lend on. What do you, what is usually the timeframe there? Yeah. So we always like to say start to finish and it depends on areas, right? And it depends if it's commercial, it's obviously a different ballgame. Those appraisals take substantially longer to get, but something here in Austin, I mean, honestly, start to finish a week, week and a half tops. We're lucky enough that we have this amazing real estate appraiser who just like kind of puts our stuff like right up their top priority. And so I get all of those back very quickly. And so we're able to get those loans like kind of knocked out pretty quickly. Awesome. That's that's great to know. It's all about relationships. Okay, we have another question coming in from Deborah. Does a deal that offers 70% of the appraised value and 30% after resale seem like a legitimate deal? So I guess I'd have to understand the question a little bit more because I want to make sure I'm answering this properly. So when I say 70%, so we will lend 70% of what the appraisal comes in at after it's assumed completed, right? So not to exceed things like 90% loan to cost. So just using round numbers, let's pretend like appraisal comes in at $100,000. That's saying the house is done, it's going to be worth $100,000. We'll lend $70,000 towards the cost of purchase, construction, all of that as long as we're not providing more than 90% of the financing that's needed on the project. Got it. Deborah, let me know in the chat if that doesn't answer your question. And let's see if any other questions come in, because I think that this is a great opportunity to get a lot of knowledge dropped on you. So let's see, we got another one. You mentioned contractors can be the most common way for a deal to go sideways, can you talk through some best practices when dealing with contractors to ensure things stay on track throughout the process? Oh, that's sure. Yeah, I'm happy that you didn't ask me about horror stories though, because then we need like 20 more minutes of the podcast. So really big ways is just double check everything. I mean, there's been a lot of times where contractors will take funds from one project and put them into another project. I'm not always saying it's an unethical decision that they've made to do that. Sometimes it's just accounting. I mean, here's the thing. If some of them, they know how to build. That's what they're great at. That's what you've hired them to do. Right. I mean, I have trouble keeping my own, you know, accounting stuff straight. Right. So double check their stuff and just make sure everything's fine. Doing things like getting those mechanics lien waivers though. Those are huge. You want to make sure if you have assumed you have paid somebody for something that's being done on one of your projects, Make sure that it has been paid for, right? You don't want to have later some electric company comes back to you and says, you know, Joe never actually gave me the check for it. And then you're kind of on the hook for it in order to get that property sold. It's kind of trust, but verify, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's great advice. Okay, let's see. Do we have any other questions coming in? I really kind of want to hear the horror stories. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> That might be more, that might be really interesting as well. Okay, let's see. Deborah came back and said, no, this is an offer on a listing for 1.2 million. It is from a California company that wants to pay 70% of the property. Hmm. So it's a listing and they're only wanting to buy it for 70% of what it's listed yeah, for. That's what it seems like. So you're taking a 30% haircut right off the top. 
So that doesn't seem like a great deal to me unless you feel like your listing is overpriced. Yeah, definitely. And I would think, Deborah, you should definitely figure out like comps for that area, what the potential is and what's happening in that market and really um, see what's happening in order to really know if that, that makes sense for you. Because again, the market, yes, we're seeing a little hint of it coming back and being a little bit stronger than it has been in the last couple of months, but we're nowhere near where we were, you know, in 2021. So I would definitely do my research. Yeah, but we're also nowhere near 30% haircuts either. Does that make sense? It's kind of like five to 10% right now, I think is appropriate. 30% is still at the level where it's not offensive, but it's borderline, right? I mean, I think that that they're assuming that you have a troubled stress property and you're wanting to just dump it. So I would push back. I mean, I'd find out why are they asking for such a big haircut? Maybe there's something else you can do from a creative standpoint of doing some seller financing or doing some discount points or getting creative with how you sell the property. And then other than that, if not, ask them, where are they finding the market data that says the property should sell 30% less, right? You know, yeah. show me the comp that you're using to base what you're offering us. Absolutely. It's funny. We're getting a bunch of comments saying we want to hear a horror story. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. I'll tell you one more story. Then I have another question. <laughs> go ahead. All right. So we had a property that we were doing and we had an inspector go out and it was for a septic inspection. Well, the builder put something over the hole for the septic, said that the septic was in there, gave some big story as to why they couldn't get in. It was just this hot mess. So we basically gave away $10,000, you know, towards something. And it was such it was such a silly thing that the builder was doing. So little things like that, or we've had other issues where, you know, we've looked back and the invoices that we had were actually all to the builder's company. So they're just fraudulent invoices to the tune of, you know, I mean, we've had people submit like $60,000 of fraudulent invoices. So again, it's just, you just have to really make sure that the work's been completed, that it's really there and, and all of that. So Contractors can definitely be funny, but when you find a good one, you have to stick with them because then they're very committed. So, well, And I don't mean to talk bad about contractors, right? I mean, absolutely. That's why we love our clients so much because, you know, we have that relationship and we can trust them and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, there is, there is no question in my mind that everybody who I'm working with pays for my children to eat dinner every night. You know what I mean? And so we have so much loyalty towards them because we appreciate when you do, just like you said, when you find the ones that are amazing, you stick with them, right? Absolutely. Okay. This is an, this is another good one that came in. Is there a price point that you are finding is most successful? I guess like with the market right now, is there a certain price point or range that you see, okay, this is, this is the best deal for investors to be in this kind of range? Yes. So absolutely great question. So depends on the area in areas more like say Liberty Hill areas up there over a million dollars right now is sitting on the market quite a bit. So in that area, anything from 450 to say 900 is probably a little bit better idea. Austin, obviously you can't get anything like those lower prices. So you're, you know, kind of capping stuff out at anything above 1.2, things like that are really getting hit harder. So you have to really look at the areas. Overall, anything that's above a million dollars right now, we're really just looking at just a ton more because the financing cost is just significantly more on those properties too. But yeah, I mean, I think as long as you're sticking in, you know, 600 to a million dollar price range in certain areas, I think you're probably still okay. We probably wouldn't go take on a big $3 million spec right now, just because it wouldn't be good for the client for us to do that either, because 
you know, hard money is expensive, right? You don't want to have to sit on that big of a property to try to sell paying the interest payment for that long too. Yeah, absolutely. And then just kind of, that makes me think, you know, Austin is kind of, you know, priced high, just like you're saying, you're talking about Liberty Hill. Are you seeing, or what areas are you seeing a lot of people going out and trying to start projects, you know, because people obviously before maybe it was like Cedar Park or Leander and now those are not even right. It's even past. Yeah. So what are you seeing certain areas that are kind of becoming more popular that maybe, you know, a couple years ago weren't that people are starting projects? Yeah. So I would say like Liberty Hill was big 2022, like for sure, a huge influx of our deals was from there. We've seen a lot of stuff in like Canyon Lake area right now. I've got, let's see, a couple things in Buda that just came about. So it's, I think people are moving out. I do, I do think that, so yeah, I don't know. It, there's nothing that just kind of come across my desk where I'm like, oh, I feel like I've heard that, that every day, you know, like when Samsung was first announced. I mean, it was like every long request I had was over in, in Taylor, right? So, you know, I don't see any of those big kind of shifts right now. Okay, great. Okay, so we're going to take one more question. What is some advice you would give to a new investor looking to grow their business? So this is a good one, right? Because, you know, we have a lot of people tuning into this, and they, and they definitely want to walk away with some nuggets. So let us know what you think. Yes. So build your Rolodex. And for people who aren't old like me, basically, that means like build, build up your contacts, all of your trusted people that you can work with, right? Get a good list of vendors, investors, lending sources, title companies, that you can work with, that you can trust, and really streamline that process. If you can do that, then the amount of unexpected kind of blips in the project that will come up will just minimize drastically. There's that. And then just ask people for advice. I mean, I still have clients that I've done 20 loans for them, and they still call me on a regular basis. And they're like, Rachel, what do you think about this area? What do you think about this? Really great thing about our community here is people are always really willing to share some help and feedback and to help kind of educate people, right? Take advantage of that, you know, and, and learn from other people. It just, it seems to work very well. And, you know, who knows who you're going to meet along the way, right? Some of those connections create good business partners and really create kind of a future within the industry is what I feel like. Awesome. So kind of leading from there, what is the best way for people to kind of reach out to you, to ask you questions, if they have follow-up stuff after listening to this podcast? Yes. So you can call me directly at the office at Stallion Funding. And if not, like, let's see it. Do you want me to give the number? I guess you guys will probably. You can link that stuff to the, when okay. this, we'll link all that and we'll put it in the chat sure. as well. But is yeah. It, and then maybe you just want to give your email. Sure. Yeah. And so if not, you can always email me at Rachel at StallionFunding.com. Like I said, everything is super fast for me to respond back to. And I know a lot of people, obviously, with real estate, mostly the weekends are kind of when we're doing a lot of our stuff. So if you ever have something you're like, hey, I can only get this under contract this weekend. What can I do creative on here? That's something I can send pre-approval letters and all of that. So just let me know how I can help on, on those things. Yeah, one of the biggest things when we first met and you were talking to me and you were saying how you were going to be doing something, I think it was for maybe one of your kids or something. And you were like, yeah, I'll have my computer with me and I'll be typing away and on it. And I was like, I can so relate because that's yeah. how listing sparks for title. That's how we run our business as well. We're going to be available when you got to get it done. So we love that. So this has been so much fun. I'm so glad that I got to have you as a guest when I was, you know, stepping in for Aaron here. And I, I appreciate you taking the time and and hanging out and kind of chatting today. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. So just for everybody watching, you know, you could obviously you're watching now, but 
You can also see this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It'll be all of our social media. So from there, if you guys have any additional questions for our company, for Staten Funding, for Rachel, we just want to be available. And thank you all for watching. Thanks for listening to this episode of Real Estate Real Fast. If you're a homeowner or real estate investor, you should go check us out at listingspark.com. You can find tips for improving and selling your house, comparing properties, listing your home on the MLS, and even sign up for the live show of Real Estate Real Fast. We typically go live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central. Go check us out at listingspark.com.